Hello, 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 and welcome back to another edition of the Worth to Wealth podcast. And today we are just so excited to have with us today, Miss Audra Lowry Upchurch. Um, Audra is an award-winning six-time Amazon best-selling author and riveting speaker who believes in the transformational power of a single unique story. Audra is also the CEO of Meaningful Manuscripts, a training and development company for leaders who want to utilize anthologies to build a profitable author enterprise. But I want you also, Audra, to tell us a little bit more about you um, and who you are, who you be, and all of that good stuff. Welcome again. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So, um, I mean, we know that you are like the anthology queen, but um, just share with us a little bit more about your journey and how it came to be. Um, We know you didn't necessarily start out on your entrepreneur, well, I know, because of course (laughs) I met you a few years ago, that you didn't start out necessarily on the journey of being an author, but can you share with us a little bit about how you have basically monetized your work to create your wealth. Absolutely. First of all, for the folks who are like, what is an anthology queen? If you're not sure what an anthology is, it's a collection of stories, poetry, or collected works in one publication, right? So think chicken soup for the soul, something like that, right? Those are anthologies. So my journey started in entrepreneurship five years ago, celebrating my five-year anniversary this month. I'm excited because it wasn't my entry into entrepreneurship per se, but into having my own brand. Because I actually started my first business and, you know, oh my gosh, what was that, seven years ago, eight years ago? But mm. I never put together the pieces of my own story, right? And how that could flourish into a brand and a revenue right. stream all by itself. And most authors don't. Right. And we talk, um, I talk a lot about monetizing your worth and um, having multiple revenue streams, you know, and just making sure that you're doing whatever you want to do to create financial freedom for yourself. So with you, um, what was it like, or I guess what, what ultimately was the reason that you stepped into entrepreneurship and walked out the journey? Like what was the, the kickoff for you? Well, the kickoff was I wanted to leave my job. <laughs> That's what I, we all want to do. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of listeners <laughs> right? That's like the ultimate mm-hmm. goal. Yes. But for me, it morphed into its own thing. I initially didn't start out with the plan of being a part of this whole anthology process, right? But my unique background- Yeah, because anthologies have come like a big thing, man. They used to, you know, you used not to have heard about, you know, anthologies right. or not- as much as we hear about them now. So it seems like that's all that we hear now. Mm -hmm. Well, everything with me started with anthologies. Once I began to build my own brand, I was a part of an anthology in 2016 and learning how to promote it as an author was a journey. Mm -hmm. But there were some things about the process were obvious for me because of my background. And I started to realize that that wasn't the same for others. So my business in that space kind of morphed from my 
the know-how that I had and watching other anthologists put on projects that were not aligned with industry standards. A lot of times people put on anthologies and all they know is what they learned in the online space. But there's a whole industry out there, right? <laughs> when it comes to books that has processes and expectations and, and, and industry measurements that I saw a lot of these books did not have. So my business morphed out of people coming to me realizing that I had a certain skill set. And before I knew it, I was able to leave my job, my full-time six-figure job and create a full-time six-figure business. Wow. So what does anthologies do for a brand or what is the, um, I guess, the greatest motivator or... Um, why would somebody want to be a part of it? Yeah, why would they <laughs> want to be a part of it? And what, it, what does it do for, you know, your brand? Well, I'm going to tell you, people ask me all the time, Audra, when are you writing your individual book? When is your solo project coming out? And I don't, it's not on my calendar for the next three to five years because I understand the value in anthology. Mm. And for an, a new author coming out who's always had a story they wanted to share, they're finally comfortable within themselves and their own skin, right? Because that's where it really starts first. And with the story they want to share, they publish it. But most times they publish it to no audience. Unfortunately, right. most self-published authors don't understand you have to build the audience first. Or else you're going to launch a book. Some friends will buy it. A couple of family members will, if you're lucky. And then your sales pretty much stop. With anthologies, it allows you to leverage the audience of everyone in the book, right? So it's not just you, it's you and your 12 co-authors. Or if you are like me, my first anthology, I was a co-author in an anthology produced by Nikki Woods, who was the senior producer for the Time Jordan Morning Show. So she knew this space and the marketing aspects, and I learned a lot. And we had 33 co-authors in that book. So wow. can you imagine... 33 people all sharing about a book, promoting a book, marketing a book, right? That's getting your name out over and over and over and over again, therefore really increasing your audience. And I right. saw my audience pretty much quadruple overnight by being a part of an anthology. So I recognize if you have a story you really want to get out and change the lives of readers, then it's most beneficial to get in front of as many potential readers as possible. In anthologies, they do that for you. So how is it that you all are able, or that you are able to always determine, I guess, what the focus is going to be? Um, you know, and of course, when you have multiple people, and like you were talking about with this one, you all had 33 people. Now, obviously, you don't just start out just saying, I'm sure that, okay, for this one, I'm going to have 30 people or whatever. You know, you see what the interest is, but I guess, I'm assuming before you even see what the interest is or before they agree or raise their hand to participate or to have something to say, you still already know what the focus of the book is or how does that work? Absolutely. So I'm clear who my target reader is, right? I even have a name for her. Her name is Valerie. Hey girl, hey, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> and Valerie is the physical representation of the ideal reader that I want to deeply impact and move to purchase. That's my definition of what an, your ideal reader, your avatar is, right? And so mm -hmm. that's my girl, Valerie. So Valerie is 50 years old. She works in corporate America. 
She's pretty close to making six figures, but she's still living paycheck by paycheck. And in spite of her outside glam, right, inside, she has some factors in her life that she hasn't dealt with that impact every facet of her being. For example, though she's in corporate and she's successful, her peers may respect her, but they don't really like her. (laughs) She provides for her family. However, her relationship with her families, her family members is volatile, especially the relationship with her mom. So understanding clearly who my avatar is, her demographic data, her psychographic data, I was able to build a a profile. So when I determine what book we're gonna push out, I know exactly who to target. I know how how to create my Facebook ads. I know how to make that connection. Also, I know what speaking platforms and such to connect with this person. I want to share their story in my book. Right. Okay. So from what I heard, then it's not just you going out and um, for you and your, for you and your brand and what you do as creating authors and helping them to brand and become an author and basically um, monetize who they are and their worth and everything. And then basically create a business out of that or whatever. So from what I'm hearing, then it's just not you coming up with the titles and then saying, okay, who would like to participate in this or who has a word or a story to share. But now you're speaking specifically to an individual, like you just said, you have your target person who has probably never shared their story before Correct. or whatever. And then now we're moving on. Okay. To and then what's great about that is it makes the process of securing authors a lot easier. My last anthology, I promoted it at an event. There were 40 people in the room. Out of 40 people, 11 people enrolled in my anthology that night. That night. Because I was really clear and specific who I was talking to. When your audience that you're trying to reach for your anthology is so broad, yeah, you're kind of just throwing darts out there, crossing your fingers, hoping that somebody will enroll. And we had so many people want to be a part of the project. We wound up doing two anthologies at the same time. Wow. wow. Right. So there, there is a way to make sure you're connecting with the right co-authors. And I would say that first begins in understanding with clarity who it is you're targeting. What are the demographics? What are the psychographic data? So you can make sure you position yourself where they are and make that connection. But once you bring them together, so you yeah. brought those 11 together, whatever, but then they still have to... Um, a, essentially, you know, have the synergy to come up with whatever their title is going to be across the board where they're merging their stories together. Yes, we determine the title of the book um, Mm -hmm. as a brand. We determine the title, make sure that it's still on brand for meaningful manuscripts. However, they can determine the title of their chapter, but it still has to go through the approval process. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So for you, how is it, um, or how was it for you Um, did you have previous experience in, you know, being an author or something related to books or whatever? How did it evolve into or come to be into this for you? I tell you, my 30 years of experience have Mm. come together as this perfect storm, right? I'm going to date myself, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. I started in the book business in 1987. And over the course of 10 years, I was a manager at three different stores under the Barnes & Noble umbrella. So I got to see a lot about books on the shelf and working with the corporate office and understanding how things work in that literary space. 
I had the opportunity to meet some great celebrities with some amazing book signings, Alex Trebek, Spike Lee. Wow. Remember Bo Jackson? Bo knows everything. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I had some mm -hmm. really great experiences at hosting book signings, meeting these authors, understanding who they are, and most importantly, how books sell. But you didn't necessarily see that back then, though, or didn't know that. I, I didn't know you how You didn't have an interest together. in that. Mm -hmm. Right. No, so, I so that's not what you were doing in your job, the one that no, you left. That's not what. Not at all. Right. I yeah. worked on the Barnes & Noble for 10 years. Also, part-time, I worked for two different book distributors as well. So I've had the conversations okay. with sellers. I've even spoken to some uh, ghostwriters for some amazing authors that we all know that you may not know have ghostwriters, so I'm not going to blow up their spot. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, so it was a great experience understanding how to get books on bookstore shelves. From the distribute from from the let me get my words from the distrib right. distributors standpoint to the store manager standpoint, but then after that I went on and I went back to school to get my degree. I was an accounting major, so I got my bachelor's degree in accounting, and I went on for my MBA and moved into corporate finance, and that was great because I'm a numbers nerd. And then I shifted from corporate finance to corporate acquisitions. And that was the final aspect of my corporate career. So I've merged all three of those things. My experience with acquisitions, I have an understanding of contracts and legal obligations. Most authors don't think about owning their intellectual property. They don't think about mitigating risk, any of those things. So we bring right. that in. Then when we produce an anthology, we already start with the budget. So we're clear. And I was just getting ready to say, okay, yep. so right quick. So that's what I was getting ready to say, because yep. not all books are profitable. And right. of course, you mentioned um, at the top of um, our talk that they have to know, what is it, building an audience first and leveraging the audience or the co-authors or whatever. But so it's certain things, of course, that you do have to think about and know going in as far as knowing your numbers and being able to, to uh, um, count all the expenses and all that. So go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I agree 100%. We, look, we, we mm -hmm. can talk that number stuff all day. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> the viewers might be like, hey, y'all. That's the bottom line. I mean, like, really, if line. you are branded, if it's a brand, then you you have to still come out and profit on top. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the things I ask my clients when we meet on a discovery call is, first, how large is your audience? Two, what's your average conversion rate? If you don't know those two things, it's really going to be difficult for you to successfully monetize your book, right? So if they don't understand those two things, then I have them take a step back. What is your core message? And what is your core story within that message? And we work mm -hmm. our way through that and then help them build the audience so that when they put out the book, there are actually people there who will buy. Right. That's great. Right. Because we, as we know, and I'm sure you already know this, the average conversion rate is 3%. So that means if you get in front of 100 people, right, 97 of them are not buying your book, hmm. which is why it's important to build a large audience and utilizing anthologies, you can build a large audience at a faster pace. And that definitely will help increase your probability for conversion. Right. right, 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 right. Okay, I hope I can go too nerdy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> So for those that starting out, like we know now, of course, you were able to shift and now this is basically your primary focus and this yeah. is what you do. This is your mm -hmm. business um, and all of that. For those that are just starting out or maybe they have written books already, but they're saying, okay, now 
I need to go back and um, rethink this and redo some things or whatever. How is it that they can now pivot to make this a profitable experience for them? Well, first I would say, make sure you're clear of what your message is and what your core story is in your message. That's, that's the first thing you really wanna make sure that's clear because that's how you're gonna connect with people and build that trust. You know, we release books pretty much every year. 2020 was the first year Meaningful Manuscripts didn't put out a book, but of course, you know, pandemic and I lost mm -hmm. my mom through that process. So I was taking out some time for me. But mm -hmm. people are constantly asking me, when's your next book coming out? When's your next book's coming, coming out? Because I've created that connection. Right. So when we do put out books, we don't really have to go through a whole lot of rigmarole to get folks to buy it because we're constantly engaging our audience. Right, but when you right. don't know what your core message is and you're not clear of your core story, when you show up, it's inconsistent. And if a brand that's inconsistent doesn't get consistent sales. You said a lot right there, a mouthful right there. <laughs> so you mentioned um, showing up. You mentioned, of course, making sure you have the audience. What are some key things that they need to be doing and showing up? I know you were working on something this week because, I, you know, I saw you. <laughs> you know all that. But so as far as this is the marketing side of it, of course, yes. being able to show up and then building the audience. So what are some of the key things that they need to do um, or be able to do or to do in showing up and how can they get work around it? streaming? I think live streaming, live streaming is a given. And what we don't realize in this day and age, that's such a precious gift, right? 20, 30 years ago, when you built the business, you had to literally pound the pavement, right? We don't have Correct. to do that now. Door to door, you know, knock it. Right, right, right. And now flyers or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't have to do that now. And unfortunately, even with having this great gift, Many people look at it like, oh, no, it's not that important. No, I don't have to do that. And it's a great way to connect with potential readers and get them excited about this book you're about to launch. Also, I think most authors get excited, self-published authors are excited about their book the week it comes out, maybe the week after. But as right. time goes on, they stop promoting it. They stop talking about it. And that's, that shouldn't be the case because your book is going to outlive you. So this should mm -hmm. never end. That's true. That's true. So for those that are um, that for showing up is really a vulnerable thing for them. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Can you just share your experience with that? And because of course it's easy to say just show up. It's easy yeah. to say do the live streams, and we know that we see people mm -hmm. doing them, but we also know that not everybody is comfortable comfortable with doing that um so what was what were some of the things or were you was it a natural thing for you in the beginning or oh, no, not how was that for you mm -hmm. not at all I had three main fears when I first started live streaming one was the fear of losing my job because I was a corporate employee so I was afraid of getting caught and fired <laughs> right? right right I was afraid of being seen we all have this persona we have at work at least I know I did I even had my paid voice. Good afternoon. How may I help you? This is our job church, right? We all have that voice, right? So I was afraid of being seen because in our stories, we share who we truly are and what we've experienced. Your right? background, right, 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 right. And then I was, I was, had a fear of being a fraud. I had, and I'm going to talk about that actually a little bit more um, as I go through my series you see that I'm doing right now. <laughs> but mm -hmm. my fear of being a fraud was simply my family and friends they know I'm not an author. They know I'm just getting started. They know I'm not a speaker. 
I'm showing up on this live like I'm an authority. And are they going to look at me like, okay, what is this girl doing? Right. So those were some major fears. But I combated those fears by addressing them head on. You know, okay, what can I put in place that will still allow me to go live while still keeping my job? What conversations do I need to have with my boss? What automation do I need to put in place, right? So that I'm not building my brand on my company's time. Then when it came to being seen, I had to have some conversations with myself and realize that I needed to do some personal development work. So I hired a personal development coach and I got my tail in therapy because why was I comfortable with living a fake life at work? Why was that required? Why did I feel that was necessary? What things from my past facilitated that direction? And I realized that it wasn't necessary, that I could be me 24 hours a day and that it was okay, right? And then the fear of being a fraud, I vigorously fought that by going to get educated. Whatever training program my coach was offering, I took it to the mm-hmm. point where one day she said, you can't register for nothing else. And I almost panicked. <laughs> I, almost had a, I almost had a panic attack. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean I can't? What? What, what are you talking about? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Because I realized that educating myself in this online space and understanding how to connect with readers was how I was going to get that um, credibility that I felt I needed. So it, it's been a journey and it's not always easy. But if you are listening and you know it's something that you want to do, I would say just hit the button and try. And if you don't like it, go to the top left corner, hit the scroll button to delete and just delete it out of the universe. Mm-hmm. But at right. least you've made the attempt to try. Right. So um, you mentioned, oh, well, we know now that this is a full-time thing for you. Yes. So what was the shift or the pivot or the aha moment that you had, of course, on, when you were walking out your journey, when you said, oh, I, like, I can really do this right. and, you know, and make a living out of doing this? So I knew if I could generate $5,000 a month consistently for six months that I was good because I was building my business on a part-time basis. So if I could generate 5K a month consistently for six months on a part-time basis, what would I be able to do if- Having it full, yeah, all the time, yes. And so that facilitated me being able to make the decision. And it was scary because I grew up as a homeless teenager in New York City. So my accent sounds funny. I grew up in New York, I live in Virginia, and this is what you get, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I grew up, living on the streets, you know, sleeping on subways. So making it to a six-figure salary on a job was something that homeless Audra, teenage Audra, coveted. And I almost felt like I was betraying that young girl. And Mm. I I didn't have a right to walk away from this job. So those were some things I had to work through. And I'm so grateful that I did because I've been able to help over 100 authors get published. Wow, 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 wow. That, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. So for the, um, we talked about the many things that are included in publishing and how they can monetize it. Um, can you just share as we are closing out, what are the multiple streams that could come out of being an author? I'm, because I know that you do a, you have the Visionary Author Summit yep. and you've also done a retreat. And so can you just share with the authors or the up and coming authors, 
how does it look now to really make this a business and to be profitable with the multiple streams? So I want to say this. Here's, here's some realities. You will never become a millionaire writing books. Right. Mm -hmm. just, just solely by itself. It's just like with entertainers. That's why they, they crave endorsements, right? Because you have to have more than one way to generate revenue. So as an author, one of the ways that we've built our enterprise is we have a summit. Every year we bring authors together and we teach them because I've realized that not everyone knows all the industry data and information that, you know, I took for granted that I knew having 10 years experience in the industry, right? So we have an annual event, the Visionary Author Summit here in Virginia Beach. It's pretty dope. We have it in the fall. So you can check that out on theauthorssummit.com, theauthorssummit.com. In addition, all year round, we have the Visionary Authors Academy. Because again, education is everything. Once you know how to make money, it's easy to continue making money, right? right Once you right. understand how the process works, then you can do it without it being so stressful and create those layers of, of passive revenue. My girl, my avatar is different from your avatar. And it's different from anyone that's listening, right? But you have to learn how to make that connection between your ideal reader, AKA your avatar, and what products and services they want from that. Because it's not gonna be the same for everyone. Um, my girl is busy, right? She's a corporate employee, she's busy. So believe it or not, having journals as a product in my brand won't sell. So you have to understand your avatar. And we love teaching authors how to peel back those layers so when they create products and services, they actually translate to sales, not just a whole bunch of products and services that's not being moved. <laughs> that right. looks pretty on their website, but nobody's right. taking the ads cart. So that's what we do in that process of educating. And I'm thankful I can bring my retail distribution background into it to show them how. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Um, so as we close out, um, I'm going to let you share with them how to find you. I know you mentioned the authorsummit.com, um, but then any of your other social handles and key information. But before we do that, though, can you tell us what does worth to wealth mean to you? You know, it's interesting. And, and I love the title of the show. I had already obtained a certain income through my job. So I had the wealth, I had a certain lifestyle, right? Traveled all the time, had all the cute cars, did all those things, right? But my worth level was still rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And it took me being able to, me being willing to pull back the layers and sharing my story that forced me to deal with what was really going on, forced me to deal with some of the residue from homeless Audra and the life that I was running away from that I really should have been embracing because the lessons I learned as a homeless teenager got me where I am today, right? right. So it was nothing to run away from, it was everything to embrace. And I didn't understand that. So for me, work to wealth means first, loving you where you are with all those parts, right? All the experiences, not denying any of it and understanding for you what your happiness looks like. Cause that's right. wealth. Because most people leave this world without ever having a smidgen of happiness and not even realizing it, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, being able to do what I do, love it every moment, wake up knowing that what I'm doing today is not just changing my life, it's changing the life of others. That's true wealth. And right. I had to deal with my own self-worth in order to get there. 
That's beautiful, beautiful. So <laughs> tell the people where to find you um, and your website, any other key website or links. Sure. My handle across social media is Authentic Audra. So that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Authentic Audra. That's my handle there. Or you can just shoot over to my website, audraupchurch.com. And if you want to go and, and know, okay, Audra knows this industry stuff. Let me get all the deets. I want to get my books on the retail bookstore shelves. Then connect with me in my Visionary Authors Academy. And you can just go to visionaryauthorsacademy.com. All righty. So this has been another edition of Worth to Wealth with Ms. Audra um, Lowry Upchurch. Thanks again for sharing with us. And um, we look forward to sharing with you all on the next edition of the Work to Wealth podcast. Bye.